The Naive Theater of the Air presents Rewired by Matthew Broyles. Episode 15, Through Lines. Levi Haley could remember a time when he did not carry a watch. No one did when he was a young commander. The time and everything else could be accessed by a single mobile device. But the years had ravaged his trust in electronics. Clockwork held no secret threats, only its appointed function. He liked that. Pulling out his vintage pocket watch, he drew a breath. Within half a minute, he would have to trust that Cutler had disabled the wired border cameras. If he hadn't, well, that was another route to the outside lost. The seconds ticked down, inexorably, until at last he closed the watch and gave a signal to Lieutenant Graham. She took two squads who fanned out into the woods. Haley would know fairly quickly if the VEF hadn't given up their posts. He listened for the sounds of resistance, and after a few moments had gone by, released the breath he had been holding. No shenanigans, at least not yet. Presently, Graham appeared through the trees. All clear, sir. Any sign of traps? We did a sweep through the entry corridor. No devices that we could detect, sir. Then lead on. The march to the meeting point at the southeast camera was short. It didn't take long for Cutler's familiar rangy outline and those of his charges to become visible. Two women, one stout with spiky gray-blonde hair, the other young, her twitching hands unsure what to do with themselves. Haley noticed the older one kept her hand on what was surely a sidearm. Probably VEF like Selden. He would keep his eye on her. Cutler was Cutler. With Graham's squad moving in, he dropped his alert stance and leaned indifferently on a tree. The big brass man was shaking. Cutler? He approached the older woman, who had pushed her pistol down into her pocket, and now assumed an official sort of stance, straight-backed and formal. The younger woman looked on with a gaze of muted fear. Colonel Levi Haley, commander of the Republic of Texas Army. Dr. Romano Vinson, former assistant to Dr. James Barrett. Former? I'm a freelancer now. Plenty of time to explain that later. Allow me to introduce Miss Nina Golding. She's a patient of mine. Very nice to meet you, sir. And you, Miss Golding. Assuming she was the seer of the pair, he wondered what it was she saw at that moment. He saw no dampening field amulet, but those could take any form. If she was cognizant of any gray leech monster on his shoulder, she didn't show it. No offense to your capable soldiers, Colonel, but my official business will have to wait until we were somewhere more private. I couldn't agree more. Priority number one is to get you out of here. Stay next to me. The troops will make a hole for us down to the gate. They began walking, but were suddenly pulled up short. Nina had stopped. Excuse me for uh, just one moment, Colonel, sir. Abruptly, she ran back to where Cutler was still standing up against the tree. She leapt at him with a giant hug, startling him and amusing Haley to no end. Thank you. You take care of yourself. Remember what I said. The young woman nodded and ran back to Haley's side. Sorry. No problem at all. He cast a look up at Cutler, who shot him a middle-fingered salute. Haley returned it and they departed. Nothing had changed in the woods on the walk back, but Levine was jittery. Haley knew they were still targets. 
but there was a certain amount of relief that the VEF had at least cleared out long enough for them to make the transfer. Whatever happened from here on out, this seer at least was out of wired territory. Sorry I had to come in February. Texas really is prettier in the spring. So's New York. Personally, I'm looking forward to a shorter winter. It really is a pleasure to meet you, Colonel. The rewired world would be much poorer without everything you've done. I just try to do what's right. Thankfully, there are people like Chairman Horowitz who stood up at the same time we did. Yes. Courage is one thing our republics have in common. Have you spoken to the new chairman yet? I'm not a head of state, so I don't get those invites. But I'm sure the governor's council has been in contact. It's interesting, your model of decentralized government. Interesting is one word for it. Honestly, I steer as clear of those weeds as I can. My duties are fairly simple, and I like it that way. From what I've seen today, some days are simpler than others. I'm going to make a leap here and assume you're allied with the Bourne Elimination Front. I am. I've seen a lot of things in the lab. I'm sure you have. I suspect we'll all see plenty more soon. You'll have the opportunity to meet with representatives of the local VEF chapters. However, as I'm sure you're aware, there are some legal constraints we must work within first. Some of our more colorful citizens have a tendency to overlook the regulations when they get a bit excited. <laughs> Something funny? <laughs> Sorry. Rules and regs. That's what Ricky said about you. Did he now? Well, he would, no. Doesn't get much more colorful than Ricky Cutler. Still, I have to admit, he saved our bacon more times than I can count. Ornery bastard. She grinned. The old man was plenty ornery. No wonder he had clashed with Ricky. She turned her attention to the passing scenery. It was a ghost town. Crumbling wooden barracks slowly gave themselves back to nature. And barbed wire rusted in front of long-abandoned munitions plants. How long was all this empty? Fort Walters was deactivated in 1973. Started out as Camp Walters in 1925, got upgraded to a fort during the Cold War. No telling how many soldiers it turned out. Kind of sad, really, to see it like this. A lot of men were changed forever here. The old colonel was more philosophical than she had anticipated. But then he'd have to be, or he would never have broken ranks during the reclamation. She decided now was probably not the best time to ask him for war stories. His other officers still looked nervous, and the formation around them was clearly on alert. Eventually, a gate came into view as the trees cleared. Nina could see several armored vehicles on the other side, and soldiers patrolling the area. Vincent's tension had eased slightly. They were going to make it. The shots came from somewhere on their right. One of the officers flanking Haley went down. The colonel and another officer rushed in, crouching in a defensive position around Nina and Vincent. The outer formation of soldiers tightened around them. Haley bellowed orders as gunfire erupted outward on all sides peeling the trees and branches and bark. Nina huddled behind a female officer who took the young woman's weight against her as if it were nothing. Vincent fumbled with her pistol, afraid to fire in the midst of all the troops. Cease fire! The soldiers spread out, moving towards the immobile bodies of those caught in their fire. Nina saw Haley stagger upright and rush to the twisting body of the fallen officer, a thin man slightly younger than the colonel. Medic! Haley held Levine's head upright. A bullet had pierced part of the Major's throat. He was bleeding profusely. A medic rushed forward from one of the trucks with a first aid kit. Nina and Vincent came cautiously to their feet. No one could have survived the apocalyptic hail of bullets that had just burst from all around them. In the distance, they could see black-clad bodies lying dead, kicked for good measure by the soldiers. 
Nina turned her attention to Haley and the fallen officer. God damn it, Levine. God damn those VEF sons of bitches. The Major's throat had been pierced. The bleeding was hard to stanch. Still, he was clearly trying to speak. Save your energy. We've got you covered. The Major shook his head. He began an arrhythmic tapping on the Colonel's arm. Morse code. Haley followed it carefully. I knew. I knew it would end like this. End nothing. We're gonna get this tied up and you're going to the hospital. Colonel, he's bleeding from the leg as well. With the blood spouting from Levine's neck, Haley hadn't seen the lower injury. He held the makeshift tourniquet on the Major's throat while the medic examined the leg wound. Levine winced at the probing below, continued his tapping missive on the Colonel's arm. Don't let VEF get ahead of you. Word to counsel. Assault on senior army officer. Serious offense. Jesus Christ, Levine, this is not my priority right now. It has to be. Everything changes now. All bigger than me. Bullshit. There won't be a goddamn Republic of Texas without you, and you know it. I'm the name on the door, but you're the brains of the operation. Always have been. The medic applied pressure to the wound. Haley began to sweat profusely. The Major was not doing well. Holy shit, Levine. I'm so sorry. The faint morse returned in spite of the pain. I'm not. No one else could have made me turn my back on the world. Levine forced his failing eyes up to Haley's face. The two men had been friends for so long. But as career army men, they were not prone to expressing heartfelt emotions. The wistful look on the Major's face now was foreign to the Colonel. Something inside of him tightened. He'd always known, of course, that Levine was gay. But suddenly it occurred to him that he had never actually seen the Major express any overt interest in a particular man. Part of him shrank at the idea that all this time he had been holding out for him. Levine spotted the thought immediately, and through the fog of agony, almost seemed to laugh. He tapped again. Not my type, sir. No offense. For fuck's sake, Kurt, you can call me Levi. No, sir. I can't. Not in this life. Another jab of pain hit him and his eyes turned inward to fight it. The medic had dressed the wound and Haley helped the Major get on the stretcher. En route to the truck, he saw Horton and his buddy handcuffed in the back of another vehicle. It took every ounce of restraint in his body not to shoot the bastard right there and then. He called Graham over. Do not let either of those assholes talk to anybody other than you for any reason until I get there. No other human contact whatsoever, and I mean zero. Yes, sir. Going right into the hole. They'll be there till you're ready for them. And the same goes for our travelers. Make them as comfortable as possible, but no contact with anyone but you until advised otherwise. And bring in a company to defend this passage. We have two more people en route. I have this, sir. Major Levine needs you. Haley nodded and turned back towards the truck carrying his fallen comrade. He jumped in the back and ordered the driver to take him to the local hospital. The truck bumped as Haley belatedly strapped himself in. The Major looked worse. His color was draining too quickly. However, he managed to keep his eyes on the Colonel. Haley took his hand. The hell's wrong with people, Levine? The question was directed as much to the universe as it was to the Major. Neither of them had any idea what was going on. Not really. Yet they had both risked their lives for it. But that was the army, the colonel reflected. That was the life they had chosen so long ago. You think you know what you're fighting for. Then things change. Again and again. Haley struggled to keep up with his thoughts, to keep his attention on this moment. The one that would only happen once. The one where he lost his best friend. 
Levine's grip on consciousness was faltering. Haley had dropped all pretense that everything was going to be okay. He owed Levine that. He owed him a lot more besides. He kept his eyes on his friend, his brother, his son, his heir apparent up until now. For the first time in years, Haley allowed a tear to fall. He wasn't made of stone. He'd seen so many men die. This was one too many. The Major's eyes closed and his breath grew ragged. Still, Haley kept hold of his hand. Faintly, he felt it. A quiet, arrhythmic tap. So vague he would have thought it was random. Until he made out the letters. Tell Kelly. Tell her I tried. Haley couldn't take it. No more clues. No more mysteries. Not now. God damn it, Levine. The Major's hand grew still as he drew his very last breaths on Earth. God damn it, Kurt. What the hell am I going to do now? The truck pulled up at the hospital. The medic unharnessed the stretcher. Haley released his grip on Levine's hand and on his life as the Major's body was carried away. He sagged against the seat, staring into the middle distance. He spoke aloud to the cosmos, to the invisible fucker on his shoulder, to anything in any dimension that would hear him. What the hell am I going to do now? There was someone else in the house. He knew that for sure now. Where, he couldn't be sure, any more than he was certain exactly where he himself was. The light outside the high windows was dim, just enough to see by. There it was again, a door closing. A door in particular. The one he had been looking for. He recognized the sound. But where? He passed through other rooms, this one long and vast, half filled with an enormous dining table all its places empty. Rushing to the other end, he found himself in the hallway again. The door he sought was right here, had been for years, but he could not find it. Another step, and his visage reflected on the surface of a glass picture frame. He was a stranger to the silhouette it cast, and yet, it was him. Who else could it be? Gabriella knew that in wintertime, the days were shorter. But recently they had become very short indeed. So much so that the past week was beginning to bleed into a solid mass, obliterating her sense of time. The hours were too few, her tasks too great. Sleep was not an option. She was en route from the airport to her townhouse when the summons came. Taylor, with his business voice on, which meant somebody was listening. In her position, Gabriella was of course aware that she was under surveillance of some sort at all times. But there were levels. The urgency in Taylor's voice put her on notice that she, him, or both of them had been bumped up at least one level. Gabriella thought back to the call she'd made to Javier from the airplane. 
Like all of her communications, it contained no overt or extraneous information. If they traced Javier's subsequent call, the one she'd told him to make, without really telling him, the identity of the recipient was the only thing likely to raise any suspicion in a trace. Or rather, the location of said recipient. Still, there was nothing for it. The agent had to be sent back to the line. She had sped events into higher gear for a reason. If there was a price to pay, it wouldn't be the first time. Omelets, broken eggs, and the like. She hit the gas, her mind retreading the events of the last few hours, until she pulled up in her choice parking spot at the NSA office building. Taylor's assistant buzzed her into his office, and she was not surprised to see one of the guest chairs occupied by Defense Secretary Lawrence Wendell. He rose and bowed as she entered, true to his Georgia roots. But noticeably, he did not shake her hand. She sat down gingerly and faced him as he took his seat. Dr. Nighthawk, I see you've been expanding your job description dramatically since our last meeting. She allowed herself a quizzical look at him. There were any number of things he could be referring to, as she and Taylor well knew. Neither of them would be inclined to help him ferret out anything he hadn't already uncovered. Begging your pardon, Mr. Secretary, I'm not entirely sure what you mean. Wendell's eyes narrowed, and Gabriella thought she saw the beginnings of a contemptuous sneer curling at the corners of his mouth. Doctor, my jurisdiction in regards to border security with rewired territories is absolute. Mr. Hockaday's office works in tandem with, not parallel to, that mandate. Does that statement clear up any misunderstandings between us? Clearly the secretary was pissed. Playing coy would make matters worse, she surmised. Better to let him have his little victory. Sir, I apologize if our intervention in the Selden Transit seems at cross-purposes with your department. Need I remind you of the penalty for transporting rewired fugitives across United States lands? If you'll permit me to explain... I'm certain that what you've done makes sense to you. However, my job is to ensure that it makes sense to the President. Now... I have been put in the position of withholding this intelligence from the President in anticipation of a more comprehensive report from your office. That is not in my job description, and it is only occurring because I cannot for the life of me conceive of what this foray into human trafficking can do to benefit the interests of the United States government. As we both have a shared interest in the Chief Executive's thorough and fair assessment of the situation, anything you can do to bring about that would be most helpful. Taylor said nothing. Gabriella suspected this conversation had been going for some time, and that the secretary had guessed she was the prime mover in the operation. He likely guessed more. His aged brown eyes bored into hers. She had been a valuable property when she first arrived in Washington, but 28 years on, she could not be sure that her position was still secure. Several administrations had passed through office in those decades, and the current occupants were near the more alarmist end of the pendulum's arc. It was time to tread carefully, but without insulting Wendell's intelligence, or worse, his pride. Mr. Secretary, there is a through line in the reports we've been sending your office. As a former member of Dr. Lilly's team, it may be more apparent to me than to the layman. I apologize for my failure to fully communicate its importance. Go on. Sir, there is a civil war brewing in the rewired world. The recent revelations made possible by publicizing HPL's neutralization, an accomplishment in which our office played no small part, are shaking the foundations of the breakaway territories. The very fact that the VEF was able to spring Sergeant Selden from Brooklyn points to an erosion of control under Dr. Barrett, even as he seems to cement his power through the new chairman, David Weiss. And you believe what? 
that enabling the VEF to further discredit Barrett will hasten the internal conflict? That is one goal, yes. We believe the infection will spread through the rewired net to the other rogue states. Our intelligence shows that Texas in particular is ripe for destabilization. Doctor, I am sure it is no secret to you that our commander-in-chief holds significant ideological and operational differences with you and Mr. Hockaday here. For instance, the very existence of the rewired net enabling any sort of communications between these enemies of state when the means to subvert them is clearly within our purview is baffling, to say the least. One might even call it stupid. Gabriella drew a slow breath. She could take this. She had taken much worse. And arguing now could make worse happen very quickly. However, in keeping with the previous administration's stance on intelligence gathering, we have thus far defaulted to the position that 28 years of relative peace is worth a few strays now and then. But, as you have so clearly pointed out in our previous meeting, Sergeant Selden is no ordinary fugitive. That is correct, sir. In fact, he is a war criminal who is directly responsible for our loss of control over Brooklyn. You may never have met the families of the soldiers who died attempting to defend that bunker, but I have, Dr. Neidhart. One of those men's sons now serves in the United States Army under my command. Now, if I remember correctly, and do correct me, Mr. Hockaday, if I am mistaken... The last conversation we had on the topic of Sergeant Selden was clearly aimed at a live capture. Is that your recollection as well, Doctor? Yes, Mr. Secretary. There is a very clear reason why live capture was the focus of that discussion. Perhaps it has become evident to you in the past few seconds, despite evading your perception over the past week. I understand that you want Sergeant Selden put on trial. However, we must consider the bigger picture. Doctor, there is no picture in which these renegade territories do not collapse into anarchy and come crawling back to the United States. We have known this to be the inevitable course of events for many years now. However, it is just possible that I overestimated when I believe that you had a firm grasp on that notion. I assure you, that error has been rectified. Gabrielle held back her initial retort and edited it. Sir, with respect, the end of the diaspora has been five years away for the past 28 years. My job, as I understand it, is to turn that prediction into a reality. 28 years, yes. And for most of those, you've been working on the problem. One might draw a through line there as well. Secretary, our reports are clear. The likelihood of rewired government instability is at a record high. Pair that with a high-profile rogue seer in the hands of the VEF, and you have the spark to blow the entire structure sky-high. At this rate, we're talking months, not years. But if Selden goes on trial, the rewired world gets a spark of solidarity, and our momentum may be lost. I made a judgment call on this, and I stand by it. I'll tell the president myself if you want. Wendell was silent for a moment. Gabriella could see the wheels turning. The fight between pride and prudence. There were institutional considerations being weighed as well, she knew. Victory along her course would be a victory for the NSA, whereas Selden's capture and trial would clearly be cause for Defense Department crowing, even if, as she suspected, it would hold off rewired instability as the news spread. Whether that was of more interest to the Secretary than burnishing his own portfolio remained to be seen. She could feel Taylor's tension across the desk. The die was cast now. His fate would be the same as hers. I find it interesting that the transit of Dr. Romana Vincent and her companion has not been mentioned, nor the activation of Agent John M. Shadler in the aid of their flight from Memphis. I am left to conclude that this omission is intentional. Of course not. Selden and the girl are both seers. The aim of both interventions is the same. I have no doubt of that. 
Nonetheless, I am putting this operation back on track. Dr. Lilly has a fresh seer in hand, rendering Sergeant Selden moot. Hardly moot, sir. His involvement in the VEF has a massive public impact. Indeed it does, Doctor. And we will do our best to amplify that affiliation during his trial. The line is closing. Based on my discussion with Agent Shadler, Selden is likely headed for a breach point somewhere northeast of Mineral Wells. My troops are en route now. The doctor hid her surprise. Wendell had probably spoken with Shadler before Javier had. She couldn't be sure what instructions the secretary had given him, or whose he would follow. In any case, her control over the situation was slipping. She smiled and inclined her head deferentially. Of course. Please let me know if you or the president need anything from me. Yes, I'm sure we will. With that, he rose to leave. Gabriella and Taylor rose with him, staying fixed by their chairs. As the door closed behind the secretary, they shared a silent moment of shock. There was always the possibility that their alterations in the plan would come to light. But Gabriella had counted on that moment happening well after the chain reaction of Selden's arrival in Texas had been set in motion. She had been careful. Mostly. Until she grew fearful of leaving matters in the hands of the VEF. The trip to Memphis had been risky, and she hated to admit that she got a charge out of that risk. Just like the woman in the mirror insisted that she smile at the cameras and fuck Taylor right then and there on his desk. With effort, she cast the thought aside. It was just possible that Gabriella Neidhart might be less bulletproof than she felt. As it was, the cards were now dealt. Selden would either make it or he wouldn't. Either way, there was work still to do. She raised an eyebrow at Taylor and swept out of the office without a word. The next thoughts to issue from her would be in the voice of Ahania, and the net would tremble. been listening to the Naive Theater of the Air performance of Rewired, featuring Hillary Tips as Lieutenant Stacy Graham, Keegan McEnroe as Colonel Levi Haley, Stephen Prigmore as Ricky Cutler, Mana as Dr. Romana Vinson, Trista Morris as Nina, Antonio Thomas as Major Curtis Levine, Thomas Spencer as Secretary Wendell, and Petra Wright as Dr. Gabriella Neidhart, written and narrated by Matthew Broyles. Theme music by Paul Shapira. I'm Little Jack Melody. Tune in next time for episode 16, Here Be Dragons. <laughs>